Okay, I want to start, or <laughs> I could almost retroactive my sermon series, because I've really been preaching this over the last three weeks when I talked about how to not backslide, and last week I talked about being firm, amen. So really, this is a continuation, but you could call this the start of a new series if you like, or you can capture those other two messages. But today I want to start a new talk uh, that I believe is culturally sound, and I also believe it will meet you on an individual level to help you to, 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 to have and be who God wants you to be in life. So I want to talk a little bit from the thought today, how to be a strong Christian. I want to deal with that. I want to deal with how to be a strong Christian. And today's subject, most specifically, we're going to talk about stop playing. That's become a cultural vernacular, a new saying. How many of y'all have heard somebody say, stop playing? Right around when they feel like something is said that's unbelievable. Stop playing. But I, I, I don't want to play on the cultural terminology, if you will. I, I want to play on the Bible because the Bible has something to say about being strong and not playing and being serious about our life. And there are appropriate times to play like we did earlier today relative to the joy of the Lord. The Bible talks about a merry heart does good like a medicine, does it not? So there, there are appropriate times to, to enjoy, but I'm not even talking about laughter and fun and merry because that's right. You know, joy of the Lord is our strength. We could quote scriptures for days about how joy contributes to strength. I'm not talking about playing around, giggling, and, 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 and those kinds of things. I, I'm going to define momentarily what I mean by Bible playing. So we're talking about how to be a strong Christian and stop playing. So just parenthetically, you know it by heart by now. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 10, it says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We'll get there. But be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Proverbs 18, 14. And the Amplified Classic uh, says that the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or in trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So the Bible has something to say about being strong. It has something to say about how strong is better than weak. And Abraham, not being weak in faith, was able to wholly trust the promises of God. Be strong in the Lord. We could quote on and on and on for days. I think it was Zerubbabel's temple when God said, be strong and be strong and work, for I'm with you. So this whole concept of being strong is a Bible notion. It is a Bible phrase, and it's something that we need to pay particular attention to especially in the culture by which we live in today. Strength is necessary. So with that in mind, my opening text will come from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and my theme verse will be verse number 7, but let's go ahead and read verse number 1, amen, and through 7, and maybe 8, and build our case and foundation for where you are now and why it's so important to be strong. Why being strong is such a critical mass relative to the status of your soul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, or in some other contexts, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant that all of our fathers were under the cloud. 
all passed through the sea. He's referring to the children of Israel. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. But the Bible goes on to say, they all went to KCC and heard the same message. They ate the same spiritual food. You could be strong sitting right next to somebody that's weak. Malnourished despite the fact that they sit and hear the same messages Sunday in and Sunday out. The Bible says this of children of Israel. They all ate the same food. What was the difference between the other spies and Joshua and Caleb? There's no reason why the other boys would have came back with a bad report. They all saw the miracles of Moses. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all were exposed to the Red Sea opening up, yet some of them went into the promised land and came back weak and not strong, which means that strong does not come by osmosis. Strong don't come just because you came to church. Strong doesn't come just because you hear Pastor Rogers preach, and I say it with no uh, shrugging of the shoulders. I'm an anointed teacher and preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this word can bless you and can help you. But uh, strong doesn't come just because you were here today. There, there is an, a formula is the right term I'm looking for a lot, right word, a formula to a Christian staying strong in these times, and that's what I want to deal with. Because they all ate the same spiritual food, but what happened to them? Brother Paul, they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drunk from the spiritual walk, rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with most of them, but with how many of them? But with how many of them? But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why wasn't God pleased? They did not make their destination. They did not get where God wanted them to get. Because pragmatically, there was a big difference between the strong and the weak. And this storyline really is a storyline of only the strong survive. The laws of the animal kingdom kicked in relative to Israel. Because some, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And, and the Bible goes on to further illustrate what this looked like. He says, now these things became our examples. I love that word because the Bible is loaded with different types of examples. When I look at Solomon, I like his example of rich. When I look at Abraham, I like his example of faith. When I look at David, I like his example of his warriorisms. I, I love that about David. Yet he was a musician. I, I, I love that. I love to study David. I, I love Paul's example of being a strong apostle in modern times, in the times of the church. And, and yet, there are good examples like that, and yet there are bad examples like the children of Israel. The Bible says these things that they went through and did or did not do or failed at became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things like they lusted. Our example of how to not be evil is what Paul basically just said, is that we should not have the same appetite that they had because their appetite made them weak and weak made them be scattered in the wilderness. Weak slaughtered their destiny. Weak ruined their purpose. Weak wiped them off of the face of the earth. So there must be something 
to being strong and something to not playing. Pastor, how you going to just grab stop playing out of the air? Well, I'm an appropriate preacher, and generally speaking, the subjects I preach are in the text. Will you look at verse number seven, please? And so he says to you, church, this morning, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. What is an idolater? Somebody who replaces God with something else. What is an idolater? A Hebrew Israelite. A Muslim, many paths to one God, all forms of idolatry. What is idolatry? Somebody who prefers the sports game over church. Y'all ain't saying nothing this morning. Idolatry, anything in place of God. And some of you real good at all those things. You're not danced away with vain philosophies and the rudiments of this world. Paul talks about that in Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Uh, uh, but then some of you, you made idols out of your children. And you can tell you made an idol out of your children or out of your wife or out of a loved one. Because at the end of the day, amen, what, what, whatever they are doing or not doing or doing well or not doing so well, your emotional status is predicated upon that. I just said something right there. And that is a form of an idol. I just, I, I'm, I'm under the anointing if you get with me. That's an idol. Anything that ruins your trust in God is an idol. Anything that gets between you and God. Paul said, I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God. I love teaching like this. I'll let nothing get between me and the love of God. Man, if all 500 people got up this morning, including whoever is on YouTube and whoever watched the broadcast and decided they were just done with Pastor Rogers, I don't like his preaching, you know, he preaches too hard against sin. I'm just over it. Do you know I would not replace God with you as an idol? I love having people. I'm glad the church is packed this morning, but you are not my idol. Do you know I'm more interested in pleasing God in my preaching today than I am how you feel about it? You can love it, like it, or hate it. I'm still going to say what God says because I don't make an idol out of people. Are y'all getting that? Anything that gets between you and God is an idol. And he says, don't become like that. Don't let anything separate you from the love of God. Don't become like these people who died in the wilderness, as it is written, and here's my subject. These people, or the people, Israel, sat down to eat and drink, and here was their problem. This is why they became weak. They rose up to play. Everybody say, stop playing. <laughs> stop playing. Pastor, what are you teaching this morning? Basically, what I am bringing you into is a more sincere, another S word, serious relationship with God. That you would not be playing with your life. The New Testament calls it caressing. That you would not be lingering away with the drunkenness of this world, the, the, the variables of this world. You know, you, 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 you're so entrenched in what the world is doing and what the world is not doing that it has you so distracted. And be not dismayed. I'm not just talking about the global world. We're going to get there. But I'm also talking about the world of your kids' activities, the world of everything else you got to do a thousand times in a week instead of getting before God and getting a revelation of his love and of his care for you, getting before God and learning two more scriptures on how to be a solid Christian for the days that are up ahead. Everybody say, stop playing. 
One of the reasons why America got bombed during Pearl Harbor is not because the other country was stronger than us, but they were in Hawaii playing. They were relaxing. They were in the bridges sleeping, the barracks sleeping, and, 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 and had their defenses down. And so when they bombed, they came and bombed, and memory served me right, they, they bombed uh, the information systems, and, and they bombed the hospital systems, and, and they made sure they tore everything up. And, and, and while they were doing that, they went and bombed the guys up because they were caught unaware. And that's why Paul opened his letter up by saying, I would not have you unaware. I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you lured to sleep with just everyday living. Have you lured to sleep without practicing your Christianity? That you would be mindful that Christianity is something, one of my favorite sayings, that you got to do. That you got to participate in. And that's what makes a strong Christian. Don't worry, we're going to get there. So why is this an important lesson today? Come on, MITs. Sermon Delivery 101, what's the purpose? Stop playing, yeah, that's cool, Pastor. But for what reason? What makes this expedient for now? What makes this such a, a necessary lesson for where we are? Well, the status of the world is what makes my preaching so expedient for now. We're coming back to what Paul said in Corinthians because, quite frankly, he was quoting what was going on in Exodus. We're going to look at that in a minute, but let's just bring it real talk. Let's, let's make this very relevant for where you and I live today. What is the status of the world? And what effect does the status of the world have, watch how I say this, the potential of having on you and I? Somebody say amen to that. The Bible says in Exodus 10 and 21 that uh, there was a darkness in Egypt and the darkness was so thick that it could even be felt. Are y'all with me now? It, it was so dark in the culture. They got it on the screen for you. Exodus 10, 21, that the darkness was so thick that it could even be felt. And I think they did this for like three days in a row. It, it, it was just vast darkness. Not dark like when you go outside. Your pupils dilate because the street lights will bring you up outside. But this darkness had no street lights. The world was very dark. And so dark, and this is so good, so dark that it may even, watch how the Bible says that in the B clause, it might even be Felt. Do you know you can be a Christian in this world, and if you're not careful, the darkness of this world will start buttoning up against you? Because the world is so dark, amen, so debaucherous that it may even be felt on a day or two throughout the week. I don't know if you had this experience during COVID, but I will be honest with you. I must tell you, there were times when I watched that thing unfold back in 2020, and I, I saw people, amen, wearing uh, 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 their masks. And, and it's one thing to watch a consenting grown adult do certain things and, and, and all those kinds of things. But when you're watching kidney carters and preschoolers, have to go in and out and, and can't even play and can't even know their friends? Or what about the elderly who had to live behind glass uh, windows and convalescent homes? I'm convinced that some of that stuff sent them home early. I'm convinced of that. It was a darkness that may even could have been felt because it had to touch your heart. 
Even if you had the revelation of faith, it touches your heart to see somebody else deal with something of that magnitude. It is a darkness that can be felt. Y'all, so many times we preach against a lot of things, and I still do, and I will. But I got to tell you, when I see a handsome, young, professional man who, by all intents and purposes, could be the husband of any one of the five women on this road, yet he would prefer another man. It is a darkness that could even be felt. Because I began to think of my daughters in the ministry, and I say, well, Lord, that's somebody's husband right there. He'd prefer to wear a pocketbook like my wife. That's a darkness that can't be felt. Are you all in here? And even nature teaches somebody that that's erroneous. But it is a darkness that can be felt. And there are other darknesses going on right now. God's timing is impeccable. And so I come out to preach, and my builder happens to be a Christian, and he loves God, and he loves what we're doing. He loves the Grace House so much, we're paying him. But uh, not only uh, are we paying him, he and his team sowed a significant seed into that Grace Project, which is meant to uh, save the unborn. Amen. And, and, and before I came out to church today, he sent me an email, and, and uh, I thank God for that because it just, it just totally quantifies the darkness. Now, my message is already done, but this is God just adding value. The, 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 the builder sent this to me. He said, good morning. Saw this this morning in the news, and I thought of you. He said, seems like a great time for the Grace House mission. And notice the caption. North Carolina seeing a rise in abortions. And I want you to see the news article. And in, in fact, just play the clip. I mean, you know, it, it's public knowledge. And so just put this two-minute clip up there because I want you all to see just how dark the culture is. But now, don't get it wrong, though, but how dark your own area is. Where are you, man? If I lived in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I wasn't talking about murder, I'm a preacher that's out of touch. I'm in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm not talking about black-on-black -black crime. I'm a preacher that's out of touch. That's the darkness that's hitting that area. Well, so many people scrutinize us down through the years. Why are they always talking about abortion? Why, why, why? They always march, and they always go into government hall to change laws. And, and y'all know Pastor Rogers been on the wall for a long time doing that. Some of the most active pro-life agencies in our city, at least one, got its start out of here. Amen. Credit or not. Their life conferences were held here. Amen. With our brown skin. Are y'all listening to me? So we've always been on the front line. We've always been a representative of this. But now, like Iron Man during, during the, the, the last Avengers movie, you know, I feel like a superhero telling the other pastors and ministers and churches and some of you who might stream on, suit up because the fight has come to you. We've been telling you for years now. We told you. We told you what was going on. And I'm so glad that Roe v. Wade got overturned. And watch, watch though, watch. Yes, say hallelujah about that. But watch what is now at your doorstep. Would you please play the clip? First show them the news clip and what it says relative to our own state and then play it. Put it on the screen, please. Hallelujah. Darkness that may even be felt. Glory to God. Darkness, which may even be felt. Do you have it? 
Okay, yep, put the clip up there. Play the clip, please. Thank you. Well, it's been over eight months since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade giving back states the power. A study by the Society of Families Planning shows North Carolina had the highest increase in abortions with a 37% increase after the ruling. Our sister station's Keenan Willard has that story. Planned Parenthood tells me more patients are traveling to their clinics across North Carolina from other states looking to get abortions, but they say twice as many are still coming from within state lines. A report from the Society of Family Planning measured the number of abortions done two months before and after Roe v. Wade was overturned for every state in the country. It found from April to August 2022, abortions rose 37% in North Carolina, the biggest jump in the U.S. We really have risen up as a critical access point for essential abortion care in this post-row moment. Planned Parenthood in Wilmington tells WREL that across North Carolina, the rate of out-of-state abortion patients has more than doubled since Roe was overturned. We believe that North Carolina has become the destination for abortion for women around the South, and we'd like to put a stop to that. Some anti-abortion activists say the report shows the need to change state law. Currently, North Carolina allows abortions up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. They're calling for lawmakers to institute a heartbeat bill, blocking abortion in most cases after six weeks of pregnancy. We should be known as a destination for life, not a destination for abortion. Planned Parenthood says while out-of-state patients are on the rise, two out of three are still coming to clinics from within North Carolina. They're calling on politicians to avoid further abortion restrictions. All of the barriers that patients are already facing have become significantly higher post-Dobbs. And for many patients, I have to be real that those barriers are insurmountable. Keenan Willard, WRL News. Did you see those statistics? The number one state post-law adjustment. And for those of you in the room who are brown-skinned like me, understand where Planned Parenthood lives. No, they've always been in the neighborhood as a targeted initiative. In New York, they kill more babies than they give birth to, and particularly of African-American descent. So I want you to see that, and that is a darkness that you can feel. It's a darkness that you can feel. And if somebody in the room say, well, that's, that's kind of hard, Pastor Rogers, uh, because this is just a, a little rabbit trail. It's not my lesson. But let me go ahead and cap off some, some of the arguments out there. When does life begin? Come on, Christians, let's have that conversation. I thought Jeremiah said, before I formed you, I knew you. I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm not really preaching to the world. I'm, this is a church. I'm not debating with the world right now. I'm talking to Chris. I'm talking to those of you who are on the line. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but how could you say that? When does life? I thought that's what Jeremiah said. I thought Galatians 1 and 15, New Living Translation, said it so best, even about Paul. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him. So when is a human a human? Before they even leave the gates of heaven and come down and get in their mama and become who they are. So we have no right to expunge a human being. Well, what about rape, pastor? What about the people who get raped and get pregnant? That is less than 1%. Furthermore, there are people who get raped 
and give birth to a promised child. I believe it was the great James Robinson whose mom was taken advantage of. But aren't you glad we got somebody here to feed the children? Aren't you glad we got somebody here to do missions work in Africa? Aren't you glad that his life still meant something? I believe Solomon came out of adultery. But aren't you glad we had King Solomon? Somebody say amen to the truth. When does life begin? When God says it begins. And that's not to condemn a young lady who had an abortion. Undoubtedly, it's in the room right now. I know it's in the room. But that's what the blood of Jesus is for. The blood of Jesus redeems you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. But understand, that, my friend, is a darkness that you can feel. Whenever your state becomes death valley, for the unborn, you better wake up. You better wake up and stop playing. The Kingdom Conference last week was not just so you could come and gather and be encouraged. It was to equip you to go out and win somebody and get them before the fall. Are y'all getting that revelation? Some of the young ladies that will stay in our grace house, thank God, amen, we will have them before the fall. I got something I'm working on right now to identify at risk. Y'all know what at risk mean? That you have the potential of becoming pregnant outside of wedlock. So let's go ahead and disciple you right now. Come on over here. No, come on. You're going to mess your life up anyway. So come on over here with us. Amen. Before the fall. I thank God for after the fall. But how many of y'all know there's a before the fall? Somebody give God praise for the people who are not going to make the same mistakes that some of us made. Somebody shout hallelujah for that. So what is the status of the world? It is so dark, according to scripture, that it is a darkness that you may feel. Now let me get back to your life. What is the potential? Everybody say, it should not affect me. Amen. But what is the potential effect of this on a believer? Before we go to Deuteronomy 28 and 34, you can turn there. But before we read it, let's understand that we are not under any curses. I'm not cursed. To everybody in here that wants to identify with the curse, have at it. But I'm not cursed. My Bible tells me, blessed shall I be in the city. Blessed shall I be in the field. Blessed shall I be when I come in and when I go out. We are not cursed. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 delivered us from the curse. Galatians 3, 29, don't have time to go there. Amen. We are blessed with faithful Abraham. Jesus got hung up for our hang-ups. I thought I'd get more people in here that... Y'all saved? I said Jesus got hung up for our hang-ups. Let me say it this way. You are a harlot on alcohol, drugs. You are off the hook. But because Jesus died, oh, I wish I had some help. You are not getting the penalty of what you should have gotten because he was hung up for your hang-ups. While you were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Never get lackluster about that. If you've really been born again, every time I think about being born again, I realize I've been plucked from the fire. I realize I should be in a burning hell right now, but because Jesus died on a hill called Calvary, how many of y'all know I got a right to go to heaven now because he was hung up for my hand. And yet, even though Jesus expunged the curses, because you are in a darkness. We talking about how to be a what kind of Christian? 
a strong Christian. Because you are in a dark culture, amen, the press of a darkness that you can feel if you are not careful, amen, where spirit, soul, and body will try to rest on your soul. You've been redeemed from the curse, but how many of you know by choice you can participate in a curse? That's powerful. You have been redeemed from a curse, but by certain choices, you can participate in a curse. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be ill. But by all means, you can based on a choice. Isn't that right? Amen. Your kids don't have to be off the hook, but it's somewhere around Deuteronomy 28, 61. It talks about how your kids would even be cursed and certain things. Well, that has so much to do with the choices they would make or would not make, even though they are, quote unquote, a Christian. And I would venture to say not, quote unquote, they are a Christian, but because they make certain decisions, they are living under a curse. But the Bible says we are the head only and not beneath. However, stay with me. You're going to learn something today. You can be beneath depending on what you decide. And I want to show you what the gross darkness of this world wants to do to you. Everybody say it doesn't have to, but it wants to. It wants to. Look at this. So you shall be driven mad. Good God Almighty. Because of the sight which your eyes see. Do y'all see that? The Bible literally says that one of the curses, amen, that would come upon these people is that they would literally lose their mind because of the impressions of the world around them. And how many y'all know that shouldn't be named among us? How do you know that's important, Pastor? Because, guys, you can't be in a death perverted culture. My God, they say something like over 50% of men in the average evangelical church has a pornographic habit. You combine that with uh, all the abortions. You combine that with over 60% of marriages ending in divorce. You combine that with all the blight and sickness in the culture and the layoffs and the financial hardships and all those sights that you see and a darkness that you can almost feel if you do not monitor that and be strong in the power of his might that has the potential to make you go mad did I show it to you in scripture it's pressure it's something weighing weighing you down if if, if, if I had time to illustrate this I, I, I'd bring one of one of the men up here and, 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 and they'd be fine as long as I'm the only man pressing on them but when I add two or three other men all the pressures of life. Amen. Their legs can't stand but so much. Are you following me? And, and, and it's putting pressure on them. And when pressure comes on you, it, it, it wants to make you go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Wants to make you lose your mind. Satan is after your mind because he can't access your body until he gets your mind. I'm going to say that again. Satan is after your mind because he cannot access your body until he gets permission through your mind. He will ride your mind hours upon end, come on Job's wife, to get you to make a confession. If he can get you to make a confession, you will give life to damnation. He wants to make you go mad. It got so bad, y'all, a few years back, those of us who were preaching godliness and righteousness, we had to pinch ourselves every now and then because we had to, man, are we the crazy ones? Come on, somebody, are y'all in here? Are we the ones that don't have our head on right? I mean, all we're saying is stay with one wife. And we get ugly looks off of that. 
We say bring your kids to church and people leave for a quarter, offended. So we had to pinch ourselves and say, man, am I, am, I man, am I preaching the Quran or the Bible? You know, I know the Quran is false, but I, I thought I was preaching God's holy word. I, I thought I was talking to fellow Christians. Noah could have lost his mind because he was preaching in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. But Paul said in the book of Philippians, you are in a wicked, perverse generation, but you shine as lights. You are the light of this world, just like Jesus. You are different. Guys, I don't care what the world does. They, Hollywood can change wives like they do pants, as far as I'm concerned. But I don't get my marching orders from Hollywood. Just because you can shoot a round ball in a hoop don't mean you got wisdom. Man, be quiet. You just need to love yourself. No, you need to love the Lord your God. Are y'all getting this? So much wisdom coming from the culture. So many things that your eyes have to see on a daily continuum, which, back to my metaphor, has the potential. It's not supposed to, but it can make you weak at a time when you should be enjoying because of the curse of some pressuresome moment that you have not turned over to the Lord. You all bottled up when you should be full of the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. So that's what we're talking about today. How to be a what kind of Christian? Yo, I don't want to be a weak Christian. I want to be a what kind of Christian? Now, the world is dark, but I thank God for Romans 5 and 20. What does it say, class? We love it. The Bible says that uh, where sin does abound, aren't you glad that grace abounds much more? Did y'all catch that? Grace abounds how? Much more. That's a fancy way of saying ain't nobody God but God. Ain't no power greater than the power of God. Ain't nobody king. Ain't nobody Lord but Jesus. Grace abounds even half the people. Come on, get with me. Because a lot of times we preach against it. Understand what I'm trying to tell you? But y'all, today I'm trying to evangelize you out of it. Half the people who live a lifestyle that they know is not right, half of them would tell you if you got them in private, this is torture. Venture to say 80% of them would say, I don't like this. Come on, how many of us remember? I'm not trying to bring you down memory lane, but you remember being in sin and you got to places where you just did not like yourself? I remember that, where I just felt like I was just scum. I, oh, I, am, I am sickening. I'm sick of myself. Sin does that. And that's why individuals can so readily, amen, begin to champion a cause because that's their only therapy. I got to advocate for this because it's so crazy that I got to convince myself that is right. Somebody going to catch that later. I got to go march for this. It don't make no sense, but I got to convince myself that this is accurate. This is the way I should be. This is the way I should act. And I'm not just talking about, amen, LGBT lifestyle. I'm, I'm not talking about any one specific thing. Before you sink down into a sinkhole, you got to depart from your mind. I want you all to understand how illogical certain sins are. Don't make sense at all, yet people do them. You know that smoking this is probably going to give you cancer. 
Think about the logic on that. Yet somebody does it anyway. Surgeon General says 80% of people, 75% of people who smoke this are going to get lung cancer. Lung cancer is painful. Lung cancer is adverse as far as I'm concerned. But stay with me. I'm not trying to just preach against it. I'm trying to evangelize you. I want you to understand that before you ever get there, you got to go mad relative to that. Are y'all seeing how easy it is to go mad now? You can go mad in a particular area of your life. Generally speaking, you got it together, but when it comes down to this one thing, that's the one area that Satan knows is your Achilles tendon, and that's the one area where he can get you to compromise. Sometimes going mad is the lack of faith in a particular area. Man, I got faith to believe this, faith to believe that, but boy, when it comes down to this, my brain gets all tangled up. And that's because, stay with me, you have not 1 Peter 5 and 7 that problem. You have not rolled the care of that over to the Lord, and we need to start practicing that. Cast your cares on the Lord, for he what? cares for you, and that will keep you in a sound mind. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of power. Tell your neighbor, go get your power back. Come on, what did he give you? Power. What else did he give you? Love. Oh, tell your neighbor, but God loves me. I don't have to be concerned. Oh, but what's the last thing he gave you? A sound mind. Oh, how many of you know you got your right mind? You're sitting clothing in your right mind. You got love and you got power and you are not going to go mad. Care what the world does. Amen. I'm not convinced. You can't have a piece of money and convince me that your lifestyle is better if you're in an open marriage. As far as I'm concerned, you've gone mad. In my humble biological opinion, that's gross. It's quiet. Some things pragmatically. You can offer me a lollipop, drop it in the sand. I don't want it. Oh, it's quiet. I might be able to get to the sugar, but I got to eat a whole lot of dirt before I get there. But how many of you know Jesus cleaned me up and I can have one wife and I can do it right and I can have the blessings of God that make rich and add no sorrow and I don't have to be broke. I have not gone mad. I'm so glad I'm a strong Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So then with that being said, what does this word play mean? Are you getting anything out of this? This word play comes from, amen, a Hebrew word. And pastor, why are you referencing Hebrew if you're preaching out of New Testament, which is the Greek? Why are you going back to the Old Testament? Well, if you look at Exodus 32 and 6, this is the verse, amen, that uh, Paul was referencing. Are you learning the Bible today? Amen. Sometimes in the New Testament, they would quote the Old Testament. Jesus, time to time, would quote the book of Isaiah. Amen. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. That's in the book of Isaiah first. Well, Paul quotes uh, the book of Exodus 32 and 6, and I want to tell you what this word play means. The Bible says, then they rose up early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to do what? Eat, to drink, and what else did they do? Now, it seemed like after you done ate and drink, it's time to get up and go to work. But they sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to do what? Play. Reminds me of that scripture, as it was in the days of Noah. They would be marrying, giving to marriage. They would be having parties. They, they would not be serious. 
about their Christianity. Get mad at me if you want to. I'm talking to members right now. But if you miss the whole conference, how serious are you about your walk with Jesus? Amen. I gave you the caveat. Some people say don't get offended. I say get mad at me if you want to. You know what that is buzzword for? Get offended if you need to. But the question is, where were you during the move of God? Playing? 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 I think what the man of God gave us this week anointed us to make it another six weeks. Six months, excuse me. To the next kingdom conference. I can't be playing in my, in my season uh, of wealth and increase in favor when things are going right. That's the off-season, baby. I, I need to be serious right now because I know that old slew foot. I know that old devil. If I know him like I know him, he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, I need my shield stronger this time. I need to have more armor this time than I had the first time. I can't be playing with my life. Now, I go to church on Thursday night. But remember now, I'm an extra special Christian. Amen. I, I, you know, some of you, you got a virgin, you got so much Jesus, you don't need the word every week. Just give you a little bit of Jesus on New Year's Eve night and you're good. We'll see you next December 31st. And you can maintain your walk with the Lord. You won't get in any perversion. You won't do anything you ought not do. But I recognize my weaknesses. I, I know what the Bible says when it says, let him who thinks he stands, you think you somebody, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he, I'm in Christian AA, baby. I need it seven days a week. I need a group. I need a word. <laughs> I need a song. I need my Bible. I need the pastor to preach to me. I need the, somebody to whip me one more time and get me back on track. I need encouragement. Are you all in here? I don't have time to play. I don't have time to play. Some of you, you got extra, extra special Christianity. You only need service on Sunday uh, from 945 to 1130. You come late and leave early because you got strength. You, 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 you're already made. You're solid. Some of us get here at 6 o'clock for prayer, though. I'm talking to members and visitors. Y'all sit this out. I want you to join the church. Then I'll be talking to you. But um, I'm talking to members who know better. Uh, now, now, where you at? You're playing because you don't, you don't need prayer. And you don't need 7 o'clock discipleship, which today was so dynamic. We talked about the truth about cohabitating. Now, some of you don't shack up, but here's the newsflash. What if you meet somebody that's cohabitating, claiming to be a Christian? Could you answer their questions? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the truth of Christianity and alcohol. Do you even know why we shouldn't be wine bibbers? Do you know three scriptures on alcoholism? Right? And you don't because fundamentally, many of you in this room, you play with your walk with Jesus. These folk, they rose up. This was Israel. Dear, newsflash, Rhonda, these were the people that did not go into the promise. Now, this is a type, Seku, of leading up to the rapture. If these people didn't go into the promise, it seemed like to me, the folk in the church dispensation, grace age that's playing, you're not going to go in the rapture. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. 
It's very dangerous to be okay with missing God. Oh, Jesus. That was an anointed statement right there. To know God is saying something and make up in your mind that I just don't need that right now. Oh, come on, visitors. God said, join that church. Join that church. How often are you going to visit? Knowing what God said. The day that you hear my voice. You don't have to like me this morning, but I'm going to be a gospel preacher. Harden. You can't go to some seeker-friendly church and and play with water guns as an adult. (laughs) You playing. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Amen. Amen. You playing. You playing with your life. You don't have time. Every every day can't be a picnic if you're going to be a... Are y'all getting this? Come on, men. Some of you guys enjoy working out. You know what people do who really, 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 really into working out? Man, it don't matter how they feel. It, it don't matter. And, I, you know, I, I'm not big on this stuff, but, you know, a bodybuilder, for example. No, their, their body is their business. No, I'm not eating that. I don't have time, I don't have time for that. No, I'm not doing that. I remember we had uh, one of the running backs of the pro team here on Bible study, and uh, he uh, went and grabbed a cupcake. And I teased him for days. I said, you going to eat that? He said, I'm going to run this off. Okay. Because, see, your body is your, I didn't tease him for, for days, but I sure laughed with him that night. Your body is your business. And you know what? It's some young buck at the University of North Iowa. Y'all, and they always come from schools you never heard from. Like, where, what school did he go to? Gonzaga. They come out from Gonzaga University in Washington and running rings around you. And you got two balls to drop during the preseason. And you are what we call cut. You don't have time to play with your body because your body is your business. Well, if, if professional athletes can't play with their body, then what, what makes you think you can play with your walk with Jesus? That you can get with Jesus whenever you want to. You can apply the word however you want to. You can dice up scripture. You can appropriate the parts you believe in. You can buffet the word of God. I'll eat this part because I know this is right, but I don't know. I can't get with that. I can't. Why can't you get with that? That's my vice. That's the area where I, I want to be weak. That's the area where I don't want to change. That's the area where I have the potential of going mad. That's what these people did. They rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought what? Peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose to do what? Play. What does the word play mean? Get to it, Pastor Rogers. The word play now then in the Hebrew means, listen to it, to laugh, to mock, to sport. I love this. To toy with, to make a toy of. Good God, that's powerful. There are a whole lot of Christians making a toy of God, making a toy of God's instructions, making a toy of what God said do, to laugh. This is a type of, 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 I believe it's around Genesis 21, don't turn there, of what was going on when Ishmael, the Bible says that Ishmael scoffed Isaac. He laughed at him. He made fun of him. He tortured him. Are you getting that? And so many of us, because we have not reconciled the seriousness of the hour and where we are right now and what God genuinely requires in order for us to be strong in him, we have scoffed at God. We have made an assumption that be not dismayed, God will take care of you. Yes, he's already taken care of you. 
but it's relative to what you decide to do relative to spiritual things. Do you have the ingredients of a Christian that's going to make you strong? Somebody say, be a strong Christian. Man, there's some good stuff. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah, you ought to be a strong Christian because that's how you know everything is going to be all right. Go to Joshua 1, chapter 7, verse, or 1, rather, verse 7 through 9. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible does have something to say about being strong. And I want you to get this this morning. And then we're going to go to the Christian church and then we will be done. The Bible has something to say about being strong. The Bible says only be strong. What's the only thing you should be, class? Come on, say it again. What's the only thing you should be? Strong. But how are you going to be strong? Christian disciplines. Now, his grace is sufficient. His grace will cover you. But you are made strong by Christian disciplines that I'm going to share with you momentarily. Only, the only emotion I'm letting in is that of courage. I'm going to be strong in what? Very, no, not just courage. Remember, we don't leave words out. Courageous is one thing. Courageous is a movie. But I'm going to be strong and very courageous. Very courageous means if I'm pushing back on the devil and he comes even hard at my mind, I'm going to push him hard. Now, I'm going to be very courageous. Whatever it costs. Look at how courageous Jesus was right before he knew he was going to jail. Are you the king? You said it. <laughs> you said it. Amen. Any other questions? You know what he was? Very courageous. Because he had already reconciled his mind in the garden. He got his mind on track. And so many of us in here right now, we got to work on our thought life. You push back, double in the name of Jesus, catch it, cast it down, consume it. And, and, and people say, Pastor, I did that. Do it again. Push back again. Push even harder. So I say amen. amen. I imagine the, the, the folk who hoisted up this piano, I wasn't here when they brought it, but that's a heavy piece. Amen. I imagine they had to put some oomph under that. Amen. Are you all in here? And that's what we got to do. We need more buoyant Christians, more strong Christians. More Christians who recognize, man, this is a lifestyle. And I'm going to tell you what weakened us down, and a man of God said it yesterday, and he and I used to do this together years ago. But, man, it used to be a time where church, you talk about church, afternoon service, man, pack up the amplifier. We going to a church that don't even got a sound system. We going to set up the sound system, the keyboard, and everything else before we get, even get to church. Then we going to shout all night long. Get out of church at about 11.38, go and eat a repast, pack our stuff back up again, and get up at 4 in the morning and go to work. And by the way, come to rehearsal later that night and get ready for the next service. And so we got Christians weakened down. Oh, this is so good because some of us started championing the cause of the seeker-friendly movement. You want to be in church for 40 minutes and out and still be strong. It don't work that way. 40 minutes, you hadn't even worshipped enough. You don't need no race car Christianity. You hadn't even lifted your hand long. You hadn't even, yo, you hadn't even shouted yet. Hallelujah. Amen. We want race car Christianity. And then when something like, God forbid, COVID shows up or some economic crisis shows up, we have Christians that fold their tent because they're so weak because they have no substance and they never got anywhere where they could get some substance. And as a result, the devil hands it to them. They hand it to them. Are you all in here today? But I want to be a what kind of Christian? 
I only want to be strong. I don't ever want to be weak. I don't like weak. I like strong. I like buoyant. If you like Pastor Rogers, when I buy something, you know what I buy? Premium. If they got good, better, best, come on, how many people ever got good, best? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You go pick up the, the washing machine, and they say, well, this one has a cycle that uh, will, will, will only spin and wash your clothes like this. You say, okay, that's good. Now, that's good. But now this one right here, it'll steam your clothes, too, if you want to steam. But this one, when it's done, it'll talk to you. That's the one I want. It talks. Yeah, it talks to you, and it also sings a verse of hallelujah every time you put washing powder in it. That's the one I want. I want the biggest and the best. I don't want the strip model. Let me preach a little prosperity. Hallelujah. No, my arms get tired reaching across the seat to roll your window up and down. I want to push a button. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to be in loaded bars. Somebody say amen. 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 I want the best of the best. Somebody shout the best. Amen. Can we get excited about the best? Amen. That'll help you keep your mind right too. I want the best in life. I don't want no loosey-goosey stuff. Give me the best one you got. Somebody, we got an open box discount. I don't want an open box discount. Give me a box that came from the factory. I got 20 extra dollars. Hallelujah. He will increase you more and more. Somebody shout glory in the house of God. Glory. Only be strong in every area of your life. Every area of your life. How many people in here love it when things are just right? This is what I'm teaching today. That's strong Christianity. Not weak Christianity. Strong Christianity. We just assume certain things are supposed to go wrong. No, they're not. Why, why isn't that working the way it should work? It should work. Isn't that right? Somebody say amen. It should work. Amen. Some of you wouldn't believe this. They, we had this upright piano up here on the stage. I just want to use some easy examples. And uh, they tuned it a time, and then it just totally lost its tune. And so I played it, Pam, a couple of weeks after they had tuned it. And, and I was like, well, g- get the man back out here again. They got him out here again. And, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of bring you around. I said, man, what am I doing? <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. Why am I sinking to this level? When I can do better than that. No, give me the best piano. Give, give me some pristine. Somebody say amen. I want the best. Is that right? Get back to the point. Only be strong that you may observe to do according to all that's in the law. My, that my servant Moses commanded you. Don't turn from it. Don't, don't play. Stop playing. Don't turn from it to, from the right hand or to the left. That you may do what? Prosper everywhere you go. All right, singles, you did waiting, dating, mating this week. Okay, revelation knowledge. Now, what you going to do with your life? What you going to do tomorrow? What you going to do relative towards moving towards that imminent marriage that God has for you? What are you going to do about your purpose, about the plan of God? Because if God's going to add a husband or a wife because you are now in the purpose and plan of God and your assignment is going to increase because you got married, that would mean, come on, David, I need to do what I'm supposed to do Uh, while I'm in the sheepfold on my way to being in the palace. And so I'm going to do that. I'm not going to turn from it to the right or to the left that I may prosper in how many places? Everywhere I go. Jump down to verse number nine for the sake of time. Have I not commanded you? Be what? Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. Did y'all catch that? 
Highlight, underline that. Do not be what? Afraid. Do not. I don't care what goes on in your life. What should you do? Not be afraid. I don't care what goes around in your life. What should you not do? You should, you should not be afraid. Because you're a what kind of Christian? Sure things happen that knock you off the horse for a second and make you say, my God, what does that mean? What should we do? You need a day to catch your breath or something else. But then get back on the horse. Isn't that right? Get back up. Glory to God. I love Micah 7 where it says, though I fall, I shall rise again. Are y'all getting that? Though I fall, I had a moment, but man, I'm not staying down there. I'm not losing my mind over this. Glory to, the, to God. Are you all in here? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be dismayed. And here's the revelation, first lady. Why are you not afraid? Why are you not dismayed? For the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. <laughs> oh, I wish I had some shouters in the room. You know, wherever you go means wherever you are, God is there. So I'm not going to be afraid of this. I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. God is with me wherever I go. I'm not losing my mind. God's with me wherever I go. Somebody say amen. You can go down and walk the abortion clinic, get more babies saved. You know why? God is with you wherever you go. Build more houses for unwed moms. You know why? God is with you. Manage your kid in school. You know why? God is with you. Let me help some single moms. You're going to make it. You're going to be just fine because he will be a father to the fatherless. And aren't you glad that God is with you and you're going to raise a pristine virgin daughter that's going to raise up and be a mighty woman of God or a mighty man of God and they're going to go and do great in life and you're going to tell them at their college graduation, you know why this happened, right? Because God was with us all these years. God was taking care of us. Everything good that happened, happened because God was on our side. Lift your hand and shout hallelujah. Boy, I feel like I got some agreement in here today. Slap your neighbor high five and say, no, God is with you. Now, wait a minute. Pastor, why did you say the word no? Because the devil's been talking to them. So you tell that devil, no, no, uh-uh, no, it ain't that. No, you're not going to die like this. No, you're not going down. No, God is. God is with you. Glory to the Lamb of God. No, it ain't going that way. Because God is with you. I would not be caught in the death trap of living in my sins. Because the most dangerous thing about being in sin is it separates you from God. People don't go to hell, amen, because of sin alone. They go to hell because they've decided to not receive God. I want God to be with me. Now, you practice sin, that's where you end up. But that's not the only reason why people go to hell. They're not saved. They are separated from God. So I want to be born again, and I want God to be with me. But I not only want to be saved. Come on, stay with me, class. I want to be what kind of Christian? Can we just have a heart-to-heart? -heart? When you're a strong Christian, you leave church, and you go home with your beautiful wife, and you eat pot roast on top of rice with broccoli and a sweet potato. Come on, somebody say amen. And you turn the TV on, and you veg out and watch stuff that has no meaning to it, and you let it watch you, and you fall asleep. Come on. And, and one of your kids comes and punches you in the arm while you're sleeping, and, and you get on the floor and wrestle with him. And, and, you know, and you just, you're just in good old-fashioned Christian family because God is with you. 
That is what Joshua called in this same verse, good success. Same chapter, right? Good success. Well, now, young man, the drug dealer, God's not with him. He has the same big house. He goes home just the same. But he's got to have all kind of surveillance on his house because he doesn't know who's going to sneak up on him any moment now. He's got to carry everywhere he goes. He has success, but he didn't have... Uh, you all can finish that. Let's not spend too much time there. This word strong is a different word. Only be thou strong and very courageous is, is another word. And, 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 and it means, back to last week's message, it means to fasten upon. Very similar to that word firm. You fasten upon. Well, what keeps you strong in this world and not going mad? You fasten upon this word. The word of God is final authority in every single area of your life. If the Bible finds you in a particular area, you agree with it. And that's what's going to keep you up. Strong. Your mental health. He will keep you in what kind of peace? Perfect peace. But you're not just kept in perfect peace, see? You're kept in perfect peace as long as you keep your mind stayed on him. So all scripture, all truths are parallel then. Let's, let's walk through this. If I don't keep my mind stayed on him, what am I kept in? Perfect disarray. Even though I'm a Christian, even though I have access to God, but because I don't keep my mind on him, I'm getting it handed to me every day emotionally. Isn't this good? I got some amens over here. I love it. I said, I'm getting it handed to me every day. We're better than this, is the point. Come on, athletes. You ever lost a track meet and you was faster than the guy? That's aggravating. Yeah. First thing, coach goes down to the football to tell you, man, men, we're better than this. Right? You're getting it handed to you by somebody you can outrun, lift more than, and the only reason why you're losing, they got in that mind. <laughs> And once you get in that mind, you, if you're writing, you deteriorate a person's potential. You get in their mind, you deteriorate a person's potential. Because you've separated them from the power of God and their strength. But God wants you to fasten upon this thing. He said, only fasten upon, only be thou strong. Edumo, edunumo, excuse me, edunumo. Only be thou strong to fasten upon. Shekat to, to, or Shazak, excuse me, to fasten upon and only be thou strong is the Hebrew word for strong. That I am so locked in with the word of God, I'm so locked in with the things of God, I don't have time to get weak. And so if I wanted to know how to do something or how to be strong in something, I would find somebody who was strong in it and I would imitate them. Would you agree with that? I would find somebody who does that well, and I would intern with them. Our practice right now, mental health practice, we have two interns at our practice. And they have signed up to shadow me for a whole year, and they see their own patients and all these other kinds of things, because in their logic, they've gotten all the academics, and their graduate program requires now that you must go out to an agency, and you got to see people, and you got to watch somebody do it, and you got to have a PhD or somebody signing off. I sign off on their logs every week because they need to model and find somebody that is doing what they want to do and doing it well. Are you all in here? 
Same thing from a Bible standpoint. I want you to go over to Acts chapter 11, and I want to see you a man, show you a man by the name of Barnabas. Is this good to anybody? I want to show you a model and a mentor of what's going to make you strong. And then we won't get to the much more today because time is running out. But over in Acts chapter 11, we talk about how to be a what kind of scripture? A strong Christian, excuse me. Over in Acts chapter 11, uh, verse number 24, you want to get under somebody, you want to find out what makes them strong. And the Bible writes its own points today. The Bible shows you how to be a strong Christian, basically, in this one verse. And I want to read it to you, and we're almost home. This is so very good. This is such a good point. If I want to be a strong Christian, who should I be mimicking? Other what? Strong Christians. Is this good? If I want to be a strong anything, who should I mimic? Somebody else that's doing that anything quite well. Amen. You want to be an architect and you never went and studied somebody else's firm? No, you're not going to be a strong architect. Everybody has got to observe somebody who's strong in the area they want to be strong. We'll look at it <clears throat> over in Acts 11 and 24. Is this good, class? The Bible says, for he, referring to Barnabas, was a what kind of man? All right, this is how you're going to be strong. Three points. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. <laughs> Isn't that good, Seku? This is going to make you a strong Christian. Because the Bible just got through reading Barnabas' resume and how powerful of an apostle he was. And now he's going to look for Saul that they might teach in the churches and add to his team. But the Bible says he was a good man, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. And as a result, a great many people were what? Added to the Lord. Some of you wondering how you're going to evangelize and win more souls? This is the ingredients right here. You're wondering what, how you're going to overtake those spirits that try to take your mind on a daily continuum? These are the ingredients right here. God gives them to you through Brother Barnabas. He was a what kind of man? Good man. What does that stand for, Pastor? Moral upstanding. Moral upstanding. I'm not even going to rush this. Are y'all with me? He was, he was morally upstanding. He was a good man. One of the reasons why you want to be morally upstanding or living right or walking in righteousness, as the man of God taught so well this week, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the right way of doing things. Didn't Pastor Rondi deal with that? His righteousness and these other things we had. Well, that's moral upstanding. When you are righteous, 1 John 3, don't turn there, 20 through 21, your conscience doesn't condemn you. So now you're not fighting against yourself, and as a result, you have confidence towards God. Well, after you cross the bridge of being morally upstanding, the next level, because many of you in this room are morally upstanding. I mean, I know my wife, she's morally upstanding. There are others on my right, you're morally upstanding. There are others you on the left. You're morally upstanding. Many of you do things right for all the right reasons. Isn't that true? So then how then, pastor, am I still being plagued by a demon that's trying to make me go mad or trying to ruin my marriage or trying to steal my kids or trying to ruin my finances? What, what is going on? You've got to move to the second segment. Full of the Holy Spirit. Can we quote a verse together? We don't have to turn there. And you shall receive power after... What's the key word in that sentence? After. When does the power come? After. There are too many Christians trying to walk in power before. 
But you're going to receive power after. Pastor, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, if you're being tormented, get refilled. Jesus' disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost when he breathed on them. But on the day of Pentecost, amen, they got refilled. And all the minus Judas was there. And they got refilled with the Holy Ghost. If you're feeling your power going down, you got to get back in Holy Ghost. I wonder how many Christians, don't raise your hand, but as a normal practice, now see there, now we're talking about doing Christianity. As a normal practice, Pam, you actually pray in the Holy Ghost on a daily continuum. Or do you think that's just a church exercise? Jude said, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. I must pray in the Spirit. It's not an option. I got to pray in the Spirit. Is this good this morning? I will receive uh, a strength when I'm morally upstanding, but then I'll receive strength when I'm what? Full of, and y'all, I'm not even on my points. I knew I wasn't going to finish this today, but I'm full of the what? Holy Spirit. And last but not least, Barnabas, what made you strong? Faith. Good God Almighty. Those are the three ingredients to strengthen Christianity. Strong, strong moral character. God, this is rich. I'm doing the right thing. You don't got nothing to say. Jesus said, I'm leaving this world, and he's getting ready to go to the cross, and, he has, and Satan has no claim in me. He said, he has nothing in me, Mel. Nothing he can use against me. I'm strong. I don't, no, I don't got nothing. You, you know, you look everybody in the eye. <laughs> you don't got nothing, you know. You got the clear eyes. Y'all getting this? Because you're strong. You're strong in, in moral character. And I was going to preach uh, uh, this morning, earlier in the week, but, you know, the Lord kind of curtailed me over here and to stop playing because I think it's expedient. But I really was going to preach there's more. Because a lot of times when you constantly bent and torn and just can't get over something or so worried about something, listen now, Job chapter 3, the thing that I have feared the most. There is something you fear the most or something you have done that is constantly ruining your expectation. I imagine this is what demons do. They just linger right here. Constantly pumping stuff into you, making you think you're not worthy, it's not going to happen. But what keeps a person in an unworthy status is sometimes, everybody say not all, but sometimes there's something you got offload. There's more. You've not been honest yet. You know, Pastor, I don't know. I'm just so concerned whether or not this baby is going to make it for the record. Nobody has really said that to me recently, so don't try to figure out who I'm talking about. But listen now, I'm so concerned. Yes, that can be a spirit of fear. But sometimes, back to the darkness in this world, let me say this so lovingly, if you had an abortion in your past, you might be plagued by the guilt associated with that which tries to convince you that you don't qualify for a baby today, and there's no other greater lie than that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. But what is Satan using to handicap you? Something you have not told. Confess your faults one to another. Keep reading so that you may be healed. What happens when you confess? You get healed. I know that's the truth. Many of you on that money night when, when he talked about owing people. You know what you did? Good for you. You, you confess, man, I owe somebody money. I need to do that. There you go. 
Now your harvest going to come, and I got a, 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 a hankling. Your harvest was coming, but did you even have faith to receive it? Because in the back of your knower, there is a knowledge that I shouldn't receive. I shouldn't get anything. And I know y'all battle that. I'm your pastor. I, I, I know you do. I don't qualify. That rejection, that spirit of rejection. I just, you know, yeah, God will do that for them, but I, I don't know about me. And so many times, guys, that's linked to something else. And quite frankly, back to stop playing, you've been playing around it. And you need to dig into it and offload it. That's kind of heavy, but that'll bless you. Because Barnabas was what kind of man? No, come on, you can say it. What was he? He was a good man. What else was he full of? <laughs> I, love, I love when the Bible is that clear. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, is there room for any other spirit? Nothing else could get in when I'm, I'm full to the brim. I don't have time. Come on, I can't be depressed because guess what I am? I'm full of the what? Spirit. And that is why Ephesians 4 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Are you all learning anything today? Is your faith being enhanced? You know what? You're full of God. You know why Moses was so buoyant? After he got over himself and his stuttering, God had to make all kind of deals with him. He said, I can't talk, God. Go do what I told you to do. I'll send your brother. Let Aaron talk for you. Finally, God got fed up. And just go tell him, I am sent you then. Don't even worry about a speech. Just go down there and do what I say do. But when Moses finally got over himself, my memory served me right. This is not in my message today, but this is going to help somebody. Over in, I think it's Exodus, maybe 7 and 1. I don't know how good my scripture memorization is right now. I haven't studied this in a long time. But God said, I'm going to make you as God to Pharaoh. Y'all see that? I guess my Bible memorization ain't bad. So the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you what? As God. You know what a Pharaoh is symbolic of? Something that's ruling over your emotions. Something that has you oppressed. Something that has you in slavery. Sickness is a Pharaoh. Emotional bondage is a what? Pharaoh won't let you uh, be at peace. You're enslaved to it. But God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. Once you know who you are in me, you get full of a, 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 a good moral character. Come on, Barnabas. And you get full of the spirit and you get full of faith. What's going to happen? Man, you're going to be like God to that idol. Good God Almighty. <laughs> Jesus. There won't be anything in your life that can clamp you down. Are you all listening to me? You will be the official reframer of everything. They say, they say she's not going to make it. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, she is. Hallelujah. By the stripes of Jesus, she is healed. Oh, watch this reframe. Well, you know, she decided to go on into eternity. Well, hallelujah, she's in heaven. <laughs> Nothing can get you down. Nothing. That's what Paul meant when he said, what can... Yeah, that's good, but what can man be to me? Man can't do a thing to you. Oh, yeah, my, we believe in my, God going to raise mama up. Oh, we praying the prayer of faith. We standing with her. Mama already decided she want to go home. You don't know it. But we praying with her. We praying with her. All right, yeah, y'all know mama coming home now. We standing in faith. All right, doctor call you. Yeah, she, mm -hmm, she left about 2.15 this morning. Okay. And then your next thing is hallelujah. Man, I know mama's dancing around in heaven. Glory to God. Now, what can you do with a person like that? 
with them. You can't kick them. Because there's no... See, the only place where Satan can persecute you is on your way from earth to glory. Once you cross this threshold, he's out of time. So take his power back. Everybody say, I'm not down. Come and say it again. I'm not down. There is no Pharaoh in your life ruling your life. Oh, hallelujah. There is nothing that, Lord, it's over you. You are not down in Jesus' name. I believe deliverance is happening right now. Lift your hands in the name of Jesus. The anointing destroys the yoke. Acts 10 and 27. The yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. Receive the yoke destroying power of God and be loose of that stronghold now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And go and enjoy your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God will take care of that. He'll take care of this. <laughs> What's that old song we used to sing? He brought me through this. <laughs> and he brought me through that. You know it, Kim. <laughs> Amen. Lord, I'm grateful to you. Amen. Y'all know he's going to take care of this and that. Glory to God. Whatever your this is, God got that too. <laughs> Whatever your that is, he's going to get in this. And he's going to get in this and he's going to help you manage that until you get rid of that. And then he's going to turn around and take care of this and that. Then he's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think in this and in that. Hallelujah. Because I declare the end from, man, I'm getting out of here today. Aren't you glad God declares the end from the beginning? Hallelujah. I declare the end from the beginning. This was a good man. What else was he full of? The Holy Spirit. What's the last thing you need to be full of? Now faith is the... Now faith is the... The only thing I need is what I can't see. Now faith is the... Substance of things. Hope for and the evidence of things not seen. And as a result, great many of people are at it. Are y'all getting this? I didn't even get to my main thrust. You have to come back next week. Are you with me? But he's a good man. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And what else is he full of? Faith. No tap yourself say, no, I'm full of faith, devil. Uh-huh. He trying to talk in your ear one more time? Ah, oh, no, you don't know who you're dealing with. I'm full of Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. And then use your weapons and put them in its place and stop going through travail every week over the same thing. Put them where he belongs. Somebody say amen. amen. I said put them where he belongs. Learn from David. Y'all, I want you to study David and see the amount of times he was down and out. I know of two. <laughs> I know of two. I know of two primary times where I saw David down and out. When he got in the sin of adultery, that bust his heart. He was down and out. But when he was getting ready, amen, and all his family got taken and, and, and they got, they got uh, ramaged by uh, the, the, the evil ones of that time and him and 400, over 400 other men, and they were in the cave, so to speak. Y'all remember that? And they, they were having a moment and all the men were de depressed, depressed and despondent. They were down and out. And, and what did David do? Because, see, David knew his identity. Are you all in here? David started inquiring of the Lord. Are you all in here? 
he went back to headquarters. And some of you need to go back to headquarters. That's what it means to be full of faith. Go back and get the wisdom of God on the situation. Full of the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost talk to you about what you should do next. David went back to headquarters. He got insight from God. He said, should we go up? God told him, you go up and pursue and you will recover all. After that statement, David was no longer down. He dusts himself off. He said, boys, let's go and get what belongs to us. And he did it full of faith. And that's how you ought to do in your Christian walk. Buoyant in faith. Buoyant in faith. Nothing cast down but not forsaken. Isn't that what the Bible says? Y'all know what it means, be cast down but not forsaken? I had a moment. But I got back up. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, your dear, dear friends or somebody go to heaven. Oh, it's okay. Have you a moment. But okay, come on now. We got it. Okay. All right. They, they ran their race. Come on. Let's go. Come on, boys. Time to get back in the game again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And get your emotions back about you. My God, she want to leave you and go with somebody else? Praise God. Don't make an idol out of anybody. I said, don't make an idol out of Barnabas was what kind of man? He was a good man. He was. Y'all, I'm closing this little speech out. I know y'all ready to go. I'm just trying to help some people come through. Because, see, now when you call me on Tuesday, talk, pastor, I just, it's just been pastor. It, but pastor, pastor, you sound like Grady from Sanford and Son. Pastor, I just, pastor, I just don't know. Why you don't know? You should know by now. You should know who you are in God. Hallelujah. We're not under anything. We're above only. And so I want you to consider the amount of Christians who have access but never use it. <laughs> I remember a time or two uh, we go see the Panthers play and get out of church in time or maybe Monday night and had access to the press box. Okay. And I remember sitting up in the, in the press box and, you know, they serve you all kind of lunch and, and uh, food and you get different food at halftime. You get all kinds of neat things and uh, sliders and chicken wings, whatever you like. Okay. So you got access to the press box. But now it's pouring down rain. This is going to get real rich. I'm bringing it home. It's almost a shame on you to decide that you're going to go sit in the bleachers <laughs> when you can watch the game from the comfort of overseeing all the rain. Right. Wow, that's good. Everybody else getting wet up. They don't have nothing to do. Y'all, while this world is getting wet up, y'all, we in the press box, baby. They don't have nothing. I remember, I remember watching the game saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not out there. It's cold and rain and you in the, oh, come on, somebody. Aren't you glad you got some access? Oh, hallelujah. Come on to me, all you that are laboring heavy laden, and I will give you, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. And what's the, what's the outcome? What's the outcome? You will find rest. Where? Unto your soul. 
Hallelujah is right. A Christian soul ought to never be in disarray. Hallelujah. Never. You know why? Because you're a good man. Close it out, Pastor. You're a good man. What else are you? You're full of the Holy Spirit. What else are you full of? Are y'all getting this revelation? Hallelujah. And ultimately, you know what you are? You're a Christian. Verse 26 says, and they were all first called Christians at Antioch. So he depicts what a Christian should look like. A Christian ought to be of good moral character, full of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, and full of faith. We're different from this world. They were first called Christians right after that moment. And they went and they won groves of people. Y'all listen to me. We are the church of Acts. And I'm telling you now, and I'm going to help some of you out, because some of you, you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to meet your fellow brothers and sisters, like Dorcas and the rest of them who were members in the book of Acts during Peter's preaching and the rest. And, and, and y'all going to get up there, and the first thing she's going to say, you know, because she wasn't a pastor, but I, I imagine she was pretty sassy because they raised her from the dead. Amen. And she's going to say, girl, what was wrong with you? Every time I look down from heaven, you be crying about something. Man, I died and I didn't cry that much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know my favorite preaching saying, get yourself together. You ever, Deshante, you ever sat down with one of your kids when they was little? They big boys now. Uh, you get yourself together. <laughs> Isn't that right? Shake yourself, get your mind right. Pastor, why are you always preaching on the mind? It's my assignment, but the culture is after your mind. Culture wants your mind. You keep coming back to this church. You know why? Because the culture wants your mind. Culture is trying to make you go crazy, make you lose it. Yes, it is an abortion epidemic. And I want you to think of the young ladies who have had two and three and four, the damage that does to the soul. I've counseled. Some have been blessed to join this ministry. But what does that do? It is after your mind. After your mind. I want you to lose it. But we're not going to lose it. We're going to be good Christians. Joe, I'm closing. You go home with your precious wife. Amen. And your three precious children. I saw Joel at school the other day. And uh, not long ago, I, I would say it wasn't this year. It was probably last year. And she had... Um, She's uh, uh, taking tennis lessons. And uh, she was walking around like Shira with her tennis racket and her book bag. And oh, so precious. Now, why miss all her formative years worrying about something when you should be playing with her? Life is great. Did you hear me? Isn't it great? My brother, isn't life great? Yes, it is great. Everything ain't going my way. It don't need to go your way for you to be happy. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I'm under the anointing. You better listen to me. I say it don't need to go your way for you to be happy. Happy are they that put their trust in the Lord. That's what makes you happy. I don't need everything to be right, to be emotionally right. Happy are they that put their trust. Lift your hand and say, I trust God. Amen. That's what makes me happy. Hallelujah. And I'm going to give you the happy test. I challenge you to be happy every day this week. Hallelujah. I don't care what the news is. Oh, we're getting out of here. I don't care what it looks like. 
I don't care what it feels like. I challenge you to be happy every day this week because happy are they that put their trust in the Lord. Somebody shout, I trust God. Oh, come on, stand to your feet. I'm done. (laughs) Glory to God. That's enough for this Sunday. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I didn't get the job. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, something better is coming. God has something much better than that. They outbidded me on the house. Good. Probably was mold behind those walls. I want the one without mold. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, glory. I said, oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Best friends go home to be with the Lord. Man. Wonder what he's seeing right now. (laughs) Everything is great. We are never under. We're the head and not the tail. Head and not the tail. The devil will keep you in the tailspin. I want you to see his tactics. Now, come on, let's be honest. Time you get out of something, does he not present you something else to be concerned about? Now, you believe God to finally have the baby. Now, the husband who you had the baby with don't know how to act. Or the wife. You get the job, you got the meanest supervisor. She's the wicked witch of the West. He gonna always be, y'all, please learn the devil's playbook. Are you seeing this? He gonna give you something else to be concerned about. So when you gonna be over it? I figured him out a long time ago. That's why I'm so happy all the time. And it's not a fake happiness. Man, I'm so happy, man, I get out of church today. I'm going to have some fun. (laughs) I am sick, though. You're going to have me a blast today. I'm going to find something to have fun with. Not going to do anything dangerous. I'm going to have some fun. Hallelujah. People died because of wickedness and foolishness. I'm I'm not going to do anything foolish. I'm going to go fun. I'm going to have some fun, man. You know, I'm going to keep Sister Stephanie up late tonight. (laughs) Lord. Watch this movie. Movie's gone. Amen. Life is great. And I don't want to be on a diet today. I want butter popcorn with butter fingers. Because I like how the sweet and savory run into each other. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hand and thank God for a peaceable life. Glory to the Lord. Oh, you ought to praise him for that right there. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Almost let go. People serving Buddha all should 